You're listening to the 35th edition of the Bitochen Podcast, and coming out here again to the hills around Beit Shemesh to see the beautiful trees and forests, and of course there's all these interesting locations. This is a wall, which is, if you go around, it's actually a full structure. You can go into the structure, you can climb in, and once again, reminds us of the human being's attempts to fortify himself to create a home for himself, and that the only real way to be fortified is to fortify ourselves with trust in Hashem. We begin the 11th chapter in Madrega Sodom, Dark Kebetochen, and he says as follows, The Pasuk says in Yishai and Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 3, that a shore, an ox, knows its owner, and a chamor, a mule, knows where its owner's trough is. Israel The people of Israel, they don't know. They didn't. They didn't contemplate this. Something that an animal knows instinctively, and the Torah is telling us, Yeshaya Hanavi is telling us that we should also know instinctively. Nevertheless, we struggle with this. The Jewish people struggle with this as a nation. And as individuals, Beuro says the says the author of The author of says an amazing thing. If you would ask a person, how does a loaf of bread come into being? Where does it come from? Yana Lanu, he will say, The baker takes flour and water. He makes loaves, bakes them inside of, of the oven, and afterwards, out of the oven comes a baked, a baked loaf of bread. However, if we think about it, of course the altar wants us to be misbeinen, he wants us to contemplate. We know that our sages tell us, Medrash, the Medrash and Bracious Rabbah says that every single blade of grass has a, has a mazel, has some kind of spiritual force that's flowing out from Hashem and it's hitting each blade of grass and saying, Grow, grow. When we think about things just superficially, so we see the baker, we see the, the, the flower, we may even see the wheat, but we don't think about the fact that what went into that wheat. There were so many angels involved in the growth of the wheat stalks, the rain coming down, etc. All of these are messengers of HaKadosh Baruch Hu of God. And they, in turn, caused the wheat to grow, and then the wheat grew, etc. And then we will go through all the processes. But we need to look before the beginning of the process as we think of it. Aki the truth is that if we look at the, the, the actual things that we see, the baker, the flour, etc., so there's a lot of those steps. The kikar itself was fashioned and made with these utensils that were made for this. To, you have an oven. The oven was made by somebody. 
in order for that oven to be made, someone had to make the things that make the oven, etc. And so too, if we look at the, those things that were planted from the time of the Harisha, from the plowing, in order to plow, there had to be somebody that made the, the plowing implements. All of these were made by people, human beings, who were working in order to create these particular vessels, these implements. The people who were able to act, they had power. How did they have power? Because they ate. How were they able to eat? Because they had food. Where did they get the food? Etc. We can go back. We can go back. Nevertheless, this is the author of the verdict. If we were to think about all of the revealed aspects of the production of this item, and we compare that with the many hidden aspects of the production, which are done mainly by Hashem, by God. Something in order for it to grow requires all kinds of elements that God put into them, requires angels to help them grow, etc. But it doesn't require any actual help from the human being at all. As we said, as our sages say, every single blade of grass has an angel. If we think about it, we think about the rain, we think about the, what the magic that HaKadosh Baruch created in the cells of each, of each growing organism. We think about all the things that Hashem put into it, as opposed to the efforts that the human being put into it. We go back even within the human being, where does his koach come from? Where does his power come from? So we can see that that the human being's efforts are very insignificant if we compare it with the amount of malachim, angels that are involved, tens of thousands of angels, in an unbelievable hidden way. Before you can even get to the to the wheat kernels, the wheat, the grains of wheat. How many angels were involved in that before you even get to the to the bread? And if we contemplate it this way, says the altar, what an embarrassment it is to a person if a person forgets that this entire, the, all the entire system, the spiritual system and the physical system. We're all created just for me, just just for you, just for that that individual. He thinks, you know, I do need to have some uh, gratitude to the to the baker. He baked he baked this kikar. He baked the, the loaf of bread for me. But it's a mistake. It's a mistake because God did this. Hashem through His messengers, through the malachim, through all the spiritual aspects of. The creation of this item, Hashem was there all along. It's wondrous how much a person is so small in his faith, so small in his recognition of reality. If he doesn't realize who created everything, he just looks at it superficially. We've been speaking about superficial. 
And the Alter says, we can't look at it superficially, because then we'll only think about one person. What about the tens of thousands of angels that God sent to help us? And of course, there's also, even that baker, there's an angel over each human being, which allows him to continue to stay alive, which gives him continued existence, through which Hashem is sending that Shefa. And it makes sense, says the author of Novartic, that this is included in the verse that we quoted at the very beginning. The ox knows who he belongs to. And the chamor, the, the, uh, the mule, knows where his food comes from. The people of Israel don't have that recognition. We haven't contemplated that. What does the verse want to teach us from this? They don't understand. The Jewish people do not have that recognition without that contemplation of who is the one that's doing everything for them. They, they make a mistake. They mix it up. Who's the one that's really doing it? They say it's the person who they see superficially. They think that the person who's actually the end of the line is the one who, it's like the, you know, the famous muscle with the, the dog biting the stick. There's a person behind the stick. So the eifer, the baker, is just the stick. He's just the end of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's line, so to speak, in bringing us the bread. So, When the truth is that there are so many messengers of God who are putting in all of the efforts in order to bring that physical result, bring about the entire physical uh, condition that a person is in, the whole state, everything. That the truth is, the truth is that the, the human being, what's his main purpose? What's, his, what's the avoida? What is a person supposed to be doing here in this world? What's he supposed to be focusing on in this world? The main avoida of a person is to be focused on Tyra, on the directions of God. Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us a Tyra, and in that Tyra, he defines for us exactly what we are to do, where we are to go, what we are to accomplish, how we are to accomplish it. Directives clear one after the other exactly what to do. When a person looks at things superficially and says, Oh, I'm the one who accomplished this. I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who made this money. I'm the one who, whatever it is, made this great, beautiful building. So he's missing the recognition that everything is from Hashem. Every single thing is from Hashem. Whether you can build a building like this, whether you have the ability and the tools to, to, to straighten out a rock, whether you have the ability to heave the rocks upon one another, that's all up to Hashem, whether you'll have that strength. It could be a person who could wake up one morning and, and feel so weak that he can't do anything. The only thing that's in your power is Yerash Shemaim. Is it Brachas? means... Do I fear heaven? It means do I have that recognition that it's God who's doing everything for me? That it's Hashem who's doing it all. The general 
way that people go, the general way that people think, and this is even true in the Torah world, this is even true in the Olam Torah, is that it's only if I put in efforts, it's only if I expend maximum efforts. I remember once I was working on an album, this goes back many years, about 15 years or so, I was working on an album, and I came to somebody possibly to, to work with me on the, getting the album out, and he liked it very much, and he said, you know, we're going to put in maximum ishtadlus. We're going to make this thing go. I don't remember if those were the exact, exact words, but that was the message of what he said, which was that, we'll have siyat, you know, kind of siyat deshmaya is like a, the, the fact that we're going to have help from Hashem is, if we put in all of our efforts, we're going to make this thing go, and maybe Hashem will help us, or Hashem will help us. That's a mistake. That's not the proper approach. He says, if a person thinks that it's only if I put in the efforts, and if I don't put in the efforts, I'm not going to succeed. It's a great foolishness. It's not true at all. If a person would live his life with the understanding like the Ramban, which is that we don't have to put in any efforts at all, so then experience would prove to him that it's possible to get everything that you need without any efforts at all. Besides for the fact that sometimes a person will do a shtadlis which is forbidden. They might squeeze out what they want but they've become evil people. And that's against the Torah. See, that's an iser. Person, ultimately, evil destroys itself. There will be a payment for that. I'm just thinking about how, you know, a person, I can only talk from my own experience, a person wants to put out, wants to produce something good, wants to be successful. I want to make a great song. I want to inspire people. I want to hit. I want to hit song. But if I look back over the years, and Baruch Hashem, I've been doing it, a long time, over about 20 years. If I look back, the, the songs that I pushed and I, I felt so much, Hashem, I need a song. Even, even there was a tefillah for But there was a push, a push, a push. Some of them succeeded, some more than others, some less than others. But perhaps my, my song, which not even, everyone even knows that it's my song, but it's perhaps my most famous song is my Karibon. That beautiful song, I was a bacher when I made it up. I wasn't trying to make up a hit song. I wasn't putting out any albums. Didn't know that it would be a song that the entire Jewish world would sing. I made up a few songs that day. Other songs weren't anything special. But a person thinks that they need to do every effort, even when it comes to tefillah. There's a feeling, I need to, I need to be mispalel, I'm going to, but the feeling inside of the person really is, I'm going to force Hashem to do my will. I'm going to get the thing that I want. And the beautiful thing about what the altar is teaching us is that it's not necessary. It's not necessary to put in so much effort. It's not, not even, I'm not saying that to be mispalel, I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying, what is the quality of our tefillah? What does our prayer look like? Does it look like a demand of Hashem, a demand of God, that He give us what we want? Or are we okay with not getting it? 
What if Hashem is, is not going to give us what we want? Will we be okay with that? What does our tefillah look like? Is it demanding? Think about it with your children. Or think about it with, between you and your parents. When my child asked me for something in a demanding way, I was about to give it to them. All they had to do was say, please can I have it? They said, give me that. I don't want to give it. And the way that we feel, because of course is beyond all of that. Hashem is not bound by, by feelings. God is not emotional. Kedush Baruch Hu, He's beyond time, beyond space, beyond emotion. And He's not bound by these rules at all. But He set up a universe in such a way that when we demand things, it creates a block to us getting those things. Even in Bitachon, this is such an important point. Even in Bitachon, we can create a block to receiving what we want because we're demanding in our Bitachon. Is our bitachon relaxed? Is it a feeling, a sense? This is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a sense of calmness. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's the feeling. I had an experience the other day of this kind of bitachon. It doesn't, it doesn't always work for me this way. But I, I was going, I had to go to the bank. My wife was about to start dinner, and I said I had to run out. It was a few minutes before 6 o'clock, dinner was at 6 o'clock. I, I drove to, down to the Merkaz of Mapichemish Aleph, and I, I just had this feeling. I didn't even like actively say, Hashem, I'll be talking to you. I just had a feeling it was going to be good. I'm going to have a spot right in front of the bank. There it was. And I didn't even think about it, but I walked into the bank, and immediately... Even though there was a line by the person I usually go to, I went over to someone else to help me, and she was able to help me right away. And I got back into my house a few minutes after six. My wife was like, how did you get back so fast? But that's what real bitachon looks like. It's a sense that everything is good. But everything is good to start with. Everything is good to start with. Even if I wouldn't have found that spot. Even if the person wouldn't have helped me right away. Can I stay calm? Can I trust that Hashem is doing this for my good? This morning, I must admit, I parked somewhere and I got a very big parking ticket. 500 shekel parking ticket. Now that didn't feel good. But can I stay calm in that? Or does that take over my day? Does that feeling draw me down? Of course, I'm human. I'm saying it's not like it didn't bother me. It did bother me. But how much does it bother me? How much does it need to bother me? Can I be okay with anything? Can I, can I have hishtavus? That's what the, the Svarim HaKadoshim talk about. In order to gain Ruach HaKadosh, which of course, are some individuals in our generation, Chaim Kinyevsky maybe, who have Ruach HaKadosh. But in order to get, in order to live a spiritual life, let's say, I need hishtavus. I need to live in a space which is calm. Where it's not, there's not big ups and downs. There might be a little hill, there might be a little valley, but can I stay, can I remain pretty much in the same place? That's what real bitachon looks like. Real bitachon is calm. Real bitachon is not demanding of Hashem. Real bitachon is a sense, a real sense. It's that quiet voice. Hashem speaks in the quiet voice. It's our conscience. The voice of the conscience is Hashem's voice speaking in our ear. Do we listen to that voice? If we get used to listening to that voice, 
that quiet voice. We get used to things being okay as they are. We get used to things being that way, so then Hashem doesn't need to send us troubles or difficulties. He doesn't need to, to throw roadblocks in our road. And, and when they do come, we manage to get around the roadblock and we stay calm. And that's, uh, that's the danger of getting too involved in Ishtadlis, which is what the altar is saying. And here we'll close. The danger of getting involved too much in Ishtadlis is I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to that power feeling. When I, when I demand something of God, I demand something of my spouse, or I demand something of my children, I'm addicted to the power. I can only do things because there's high energy. That's not what bitachon looks like, the higher level of bitachon. When I'm involved in shtatlis too much, I become, I can, that's the koichi v'yatsimiyadis, it's me doing it, because that's the feeling. The more I live in that calmness, the more I live in a space where I don't need so much necessarily. I'm just happy as it is. So much more comes to me that way. And it's okay if it comes to me too. I don't have to push away goodness. I don't have to push away prosperity. But I don't have to need it so much. That's the thought for today. Thank you so much for listening. See you again next time.